Let's pray. Father, I thank you for Todd. I thank you for not only being just a blessing to me, but being a blessing to all of us, uh, his willingness to serve us, to walk with us, to lead us, to guide us, to comfort us. Lord, I just pray this morning that you will be with him as he brings a message and that we can hear it deep into our souls. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the last, I don't know, a couple months I've been um, helping my son Trevor. Once in a while here and there he does construction. And a couple weeks ago we were, he had remodeled someone's bathroom and it was time for the painting. So they wanted the ceilings white and the walls gray. So we both primed it, and but then I think it was the next time I was there, he was in another room, but I was going to do the ceiling and the walls. So I'm painting the ceiling first. I get that done, but I kind of realized I was running out of time. I was getting sick of painting. Didn't really care for it. Had other things I would rather do. So I decided that instead of washing out the brushes and the rollers and getting all that and wasting the time, because I wanted to get out of there. So I just grabbed the gray paint, dumped it in the tray that it was half full of the ceiling paint still, and just got a paint, a coat of paint on the walls. Went and told Trevor, I'm like, okay, I got that painted, I got to head out of here. And he came in, looked at the room, he's like, that's unacceptable. Now, I really didn't do that, just to clear that up and for Trevor's reputation. He would say that's unacceptable for sure. But have you guys, as parents, or maybe even as children, have heard when you've been asked to do something, and you don't do it well, the words, that's unacceptable. Like, I want you to clean your room. Okay, I'm all done. Let me go look at your room. That's unacceptable. You got to do the dishes. Okay, they're done. Half the food's still on them. That's unacceptable. So here's the question I want to ask this morning. Do you think that we can offer God unacceptable worship? Is there worship that we can bring to God that he looks at and says to us, that's unacceptable? If you remember verse 6 in Hebrews 11, without faith it is impossible to please God. That seems to indicate that there's a lifestyle, a way we can live that's unpleasing to God. So I think maybe that implies that worship that is not done by faith or is absent of faith will not please God. So again, to bring it very close to home, is it possible that right here this morning, you, I, we could worship God in a way that he looks at and says that's unacceptable. And I think those are important questions. So I think most of us, at least a little bit, want to bring acceptable worship. But part of me is like, do we even think about that? Do I even think about that? And, I, and again, I want to throw this out there from the beginning. When I say worship, I'm not just talking about when we sing. I'm not even just talking about us being together today. Again, I'm talking about our life as a life of worship. 
But I will reference sometimes some things that happen here, happen now, Sunday mornings, because coming together as a church body, singing together the Word of God together, fellowship together, is a foundational part of a life of worship. I'll go as far as to say as you can't have a life of worship apart from these things. So here's a statement in my creativity that I think is actually going to be this week and next week. Originally I thought just this week and there's no way we'll do all this today. Acceptable worship starts with the blood, requires the best, is shown by behavior, and results in our blessing. And again, that's just my words, obviously using the B words that maybe help us get some things in our mind. And this morning, we're pretty much just going to deal with the blood. And there's a good chance if you're a visitor, you're going to see me crying because this gets to me. But first, if you want to turn to Hebrews 11.4, and then we're going to be in Genesis 4, to look at, to answer the question, can we offer worship that God looks at as unacceptable? And the answer is yes, we can. I think you know that. But to get us to think about that, and also because I hope that each one of us wants to come and offer acceptable worship. And sometimes God needs to correct things in us, or sometimes God needs to confirm things in us. Maybe you'll hear some things and be like, okay, I'm doing that all right. I've been growing in that area. And also maybe there are some things that God, the Holy Spirit, will point out and be like, there's an area. There needs to be repentance there. There needs to be growth there. So Hebrews 11.4, we're just going to read this one verse this morning. We're going to get into some of these witnesses, these men and women that are in this chapter to put forth what good, pleasing faith looks like. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. So I want to talk about the faith of Abel and really how worship by faith is accepted and pleases God. Because when it talks about Abel bringing this sacrifice, it's talking about worship. I believe we can look at the life, this situation that's put here in Hebrews 11 and learn what it means to worship by faith. So again, when we read Hebrews 11 and we come across these men and women in these situations, we need to know what Hebrews 11 is talking about. We need to go back to the Old Testament and understand why the situation is put in Hebrews 11. Because again, the original people that Hebrews 11 was written to would have known these situations. This is all they had, for the most part, was the Old Testament. They knew Cain and Abel. They knew that situation. And that would help them understand what the author is trying to teach them, what the author is trying to put forth. So we, too, need to go back to the Old Testament if we want to have understanding what this passage means. So if you want to now turn to Genesis 4, that's primarily where we're going to be. And just for a little background of Genesis 4, right before that is Genesis 3. Don't you love my humor? It was funny. But in Genesis 3 is where Adam and Eve sinned. That's where that happened. 
the fall comes, the curse comes. So Adam and Eve sinned. They ate of the tree that God had commanded them not to. And when sin came, that separated them from God. They were no longer able to be in the direct, immediate presence of God. They were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Sin separated them from the presence of God. Also, in chapters 3, after that, we see that Adam and Eve, they recognized that they were naked. Actually, you can read that. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And again, i got to be careful not to preach a whole sermon on every passage, because i got a bunch of them. But we see at this time, they recognized they were guilty. They recognized they had sinned. They recognized there was a separation. Something had happened. And they tried to cover that their own way. They sewed together fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. They tried to take care of their sin problem their own way. God rejected their ability to cover themselves. And God created a way that he would cover them. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of sin and clothed them. So God had to kill an animal shed blood to cover them. And this is symbolic of the removal of sin by blood. But again, don't miss the fact that they tried in their way to cover themselves. They tried by their working to make things right. God rejected that and made a way. So see the grace of God here. That should have been immediate death, immediate end to humanity. It should have been over. God came, shed the blood of an innocent animal as a symbolic way to say there has to be blood because life is in the blood. Blood has to be shed. Death has to happen to cover your sins. So now let's read Genesis 4. We're just going to look at 1 through 5. We'll start with the first two verses. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a sheeper of keep. Keep? Sheep? I don't know what keep are. A keeper of sheep? Did I say a sheeper of keep? Awesome. All right. And Cain was a worker of the ground. I did not excel in public speaking in college. I, I'm not even sure I passed, but anyway. But just in this section, notice that these two boys, Cain and Abel, first that they were not raised by parents who didn't believe in God. Adam and Eve knew God. They had walked with God. So they were raised in a home that believed in God. I don't think there's any doubt about it. They also grew up together in the same home. They had the same parents, received the same instruction, saw the same thing, shared the same experiences. Now we're going to spend most of our time here, verses 3 to 5. But again, I just wanted to point out, like they're growing up in the same environment, and they're growing up in what we would probably say a Christian home. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, 
And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. I think next week we'll go a little farther. I want to rely on my notes a little bit more than usual so we can get through these in worship. So they broke, man, I'm struggling this morning. They both brought a sacrifice to the same place at the same time. So I want you to notice that. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the first fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock. Again, still, they're doing the same thing. They're both coming with a sacrifice, and it really appears that it was at the same time, at the same place. But one person did it the way God wanted. The other person did not. One person did something right, and the other person did something wrong. So there's a sense where they both went to church, they both went to the place, both of them did the activity, but only one of them was accepted. So again, it is possible to go to God, to worship God, and have him look at your worship and say that's unacceptable. Because again, this shows that both boys, both men here, believed in God because they came to worship. They both were coming to God. They both were in the 81% that says, yes, I believe in God. I think they both wanted their worship to be accepted. But God looked at Cain's and says, that's unacceptable. I have no regard for that. Cain wasn't an atheist. But God approved of Abel's offering. I don't know what I'm doing this morning. Well, Cain's was unacceptable. So again, and even Sean started asking questions this morning. But I hope in your mind right now, you're like, okay, why? What's going on? Because I hope it matters to you as well. Like, I don't want to, like, I'm coming to worship God. Even this morning, let's, I'm coming to worship him. But if there's a way that I can do it in a way that he says that's unacceptable, I want to be careful. I want to know of that. I want to do it in a way that it pleases him, that he says that's acceptable, that he takes that worship, that it pleases him. So what was the difference? I guess they're just showing that the Lord had regard for Abel in his offering, but for Cain in his offering, he had no regard. So he accepted one, he rejected the other. Acceptable worship starts with the blood. So we see, again, let's look at their offering. Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Abel also brought of the firstborn of the, his flock in their fat portions. So again, we're asking the question, what was the difference? Why was Abel's accepted and Cain's viewed as unacceptable? So we got Cain, whose wor worship was disregarded, that was fruit of the ground, because he was a crop farmer of some sort. And we have Abel's, who was accepted, and he was a shepherd of the sheep, so that kind of makes sense. But why did God accept one and not the other? And I think I can say this clearly, and you'll get it, but stick with me. But God did not accept Abel's offering simply 
and only because it was a blood sacrifice. And God did not reject Cain's sacrifice simply because it was not an animal sacrifice. It wasn't just because Abel brought a lamb and Cain didn't that Abel's was accepted and Cain's was rejected. And I want to show you why I can say that from the Bible, that it wasn't just that, but then I also, after that, want to show you why what they did bring points to and shows us what the real reason is. So the sacrifice here does matter, but it's not the ultimate thing that God decided no to that and yes to that. But it does point us to the reason. So what they brought is important and it is part of it. So first I want to show you why I don't think it was simply and only because of the type of sacrifice they brought. So first with Cain, he brought the fruit of the ground, his first fruits. How's it worded there? Fruit of the ground. Doesn't he say he brought the first? That would have been a good adjective to help him out there. But Leviticus 2. So this is after, this is the law comes, these things come. And this, again, so God doesn't change, so we're seeing the character of God. Leviticus 2 very clearly talks about God telling Israel to offer grain and food offerings to thank him um, for his blessings, acknowledge him as a source of all provision. A couple verses, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. Leviticus. Proverbs also, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. So again, we can see really throughout Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, that many times God approves sacrifices of the first fruits. Also, God didn't always accept blood sacrifice. There was times when the Israelites in the Old Testament brought blood sacrifices that God says, I don't want that. Isaiah makes it very clear. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings, of rams, and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls, or of lambs, or of goats, when you come to appear before me. Who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Pretty strong words from God, very clearly saying, you're offering this blood in a way that's unacceptable to me. Again, I have to be careful because you could preach a lot out of that, and if you continue in that, you'll, again, see why it wasn't acceptable. And the reason why God didn't accept these blood sacrifices is the same reason why God didn't accept Cain's fruit, tomatoes and lettuce maybe he brought. So I don't think we can say that the foundational reason that Cain's sacrifice was rejected was because it wasn't blood. And yet, while I still believe that the type of sacrifice offered here does play a part in why God rejected one and accepted the other, and I think there's more to it that you've got to go deeper into it, that the sacrifice, again, that they brought is pointing at the reason why. Hebrews 11.4. I'm doing my best to keep rolling. I told somebody already I can't wait to sing at the end again. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice. By faith. Faith 
has something to do with it. And again, in verse 1 of Hebrews 11, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So if you're putting this together, and again, even the last few weeks that we've been talking about faith, if you're putting that together into worship, that faith has something to do with it, the unseen that Abel was hoping in. Abel was hoping in something that was unseen yet. Abel was looking to the future. He was putting his hope in something that was coming. He was convicted of something that was going to happen. He had assurance of something that was going to happen but wasn't seen yet. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been by faith that he offered this worship. So again, my mind's going, what, like, Abel, what, what was your hope in? What was this unseen thing that you were convicted of, that you had assurance of, that caused you to offer this sacrifice in a way that God was pleased with it, that he accepted it? So again, that's why I believe when you see that it's by faith that the reason, the reason Abel offered the firstborn of his flock did have something to do with it. The blood did have something to do with it. Now we're just going to start getting straight up gospel. But you see this pattern. You see from the very beginning of humanity, God is showing us something. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God killed an innocent animal to provide a covering for their nakedness, to, to provide a covering for their sin in Genesis 3.21. In the Garden of Eden, God established a pattern for approaching him that has never changed. There's only one way to come to God. There's only one way to offer acceptable sacrifice. And it starts with the blood. From Genesis, through Revelation, and through this very moment. God's method for cleansing sin has always remained the same. It takes the blood of an innocent sacrifice to cleanse the sinner from his sins. And you've probably read this already. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. So that's, again, the author is telling them that even in the Old Testament way of worship, it required blood. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. You see this here with Cain and Abel. You see it in Egypt during the Passover. The Israelites are in captivity in Egypt and God is telling them it's time to go. I'm sending you to the promised land. But this last curse, the, the death angel is going to come and he's going to kill the firstborn of every family unless the blood of an innocent lamb is on your doorpost. And those who by faith took that hyssop, and we're going to hear that word at the end, put the blood on their doorpost, the angel of death came and passed over those homes because of the blood. You see it throughout the history in the Old Testament of worship when the high priest on the Day of Atonement entered the Holy of Holies into the presence of God with the blood of a substitutionary atoning sacrifice, an innocent lamb. It's always been the blood and then the ultimate sacrifice was made when Jesus Christ came into the world, gave his life for sinners. 
shedding his perfect, sinless blood to redeem the lost, to satisfy, to be a propitiation, to satisfy the wrath of God, to make us clean. It's always been the blood of Jesus. God has set the pattern for sacrifice. He set the pattern for worship. There is no acceptable worship unless you start with the blood of Jesus. Don't even attempt to worship God except through the blood of Jesus. Back to Abel's sacrifice that he made by faith. He offered the firstborn of his flock. So Abel did offer a blood sacrifice. But again, what is, what is his faith in? What was he hoping in? We can tell, we know, again, the word of God, Genesis 3.15. This is God speaking to Satan after, after Adam and Eve sinned. And God comes. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That is so clearly a direct prophecy of Jesus Christ, of the Messiah, of the Savior coming. And God announced that Satan would wound the Messiah. You shall bruise his heel, but the Messiah would crush, would bruise, defeat Satan with a deadly wound. He shall bruise your head. I just, I just think of it, it's almost like God couldn't wait to share the gospel. As soon as sin happened, God's like, okay, I got to go share the gospel. I got to go tell him the good news. There's a Savior coming. Don't give up. I'm going to make a way. And Jesus, I believe when he came in his human nature, the incarnation, when he comes to earth, in a sense, he comes into Satan's territory and gave access to Satan to bruise his heel. And Jesus was bruised. He was betrayed, he was spit on, he was beat, he was scourged, he was nailed to a cross, he was left alone in the darkness on the cross, he died. Satan bruised his heel. But, but Jesus, on the third day, rose from the grave, defeating death. And crushing Satan. See, when Abel brought that sacrifice, that lamb, his hope, his insurance, he trusted God. He trusted the word of God. He trusted the promise of God somehow, some way. Maybe he couldn't say it's going to be Jesus. He couldn't maybe use the words we use. But he knew. God said there's a day coming when there's going to be bloodshed that will cover all sin. And by faith, he offered this Worship. He knew he was a sinner. He knew he couldn't come to the presence of God apart from the blood. He was looking forward to Jesus Christ. And every person that's listed here was looking forward to the blood of Jesus. It's always and only and only ever will be the blood of Jesus. There's this real sense that his sacrifice revealed the condition of his heart. See, and that's when I said their sacrifices are pointing at something. They're telling us something. They're telling us the real reason. And the real reason was the heart. 
Because your heart will be displayed in how you worship. When Abel brought that blood sacrifice, it showed something about his heart. It showed that he believed that he was a sinner, that he needed forgiveness, that blood had to be shed for his sins. It showed that he trusted in God's promises. Someday there's going to be a Messiah. There's going to be a Redeemer. And according to Genesis 4 or 5, God both accepted his offering, but don't miss that it says he accepted Abel. He accepted the man. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. Commended as righteous. There's only one way for sinners to be made righteous. That's through the blood of Jesus Christ. So this is very clearly telling us that Abel knew something. Abel was putting his hope in the promise of God because it is only, only through the blood of Jesus that we can be made righteous. There is no other way. There's no way to work hard enough Even these animals that were slain were symbolic. They were just pointing to Jesus. And that's why even now, to say, okay, I'm going to start sacrificing animals again. If it needs blood, then I'll just do that. I would say, actually, that's sin. Because that saying that Jesus' blood wasn't enough. That's the whole book of Hebrews is saying, don't go back to that. You can't crucify Jesus again. His blood was enough. Here's proof. For our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin. This is, I hope this makes you want to worship. <laughs> made him to be sin. Who knew no sin? That means Jesus lived a perfect life. Perfect life. Never sinned. God the Father put my sin and your sin on him. He made him to be sin. So that... In him, in Jesus, we might become the righteous of God. His blood had to be shed on the cross so mine wouldn't have to be. The only way to be made righteous is to receive by grace, through faith, the righteousness of Jesus. So the only way God could commend Abel as righteous, say, Abel, I I view you as righteous, is by the blood of Jesus Christ. Abel was worshiping by faith. He knew he was a sinner in need of saving. His sacrifice showed that he was looking forward to the Savior that God had promised. And Cain, on the other hand, says that he brought the fruit of the ground. There's no evidence of faith in the promises of God. There's a sense where Cain's offering just said, I know what you said, but here's what I want to give you. Take it or leave it. Yeah, I'm coming to worship you, God. On my turn, my time, like I got things to do, God. I got places to go, so I'm not going to clean the brush. I'm not going to clean the roller. I'm just going to paint it. I'll do some things. I'm coming to the place. I'm giving something. I'm doing something. God just says, no, that's unacceptable. There's one way. And it just makes me wonder how many of the 81% who say, yes, I believe in God, worship like Cain. God, I believe in you, but I'm going to worship like I'm going to worship. 
I'll offer you what I want to offer you. I'll live like I want to live. But, but I, I believe in you, God. And God, you should be happy that I'm here this morning. I came to the place, God. Because Cain's offering was an act of false worship. That said, my way will work just as well as your way. And I hope you realize there's so much of that out there. And I know I harp on it all the time. But it's because it's so real. And I pray, I cry to God that we would never offer that crap to him here. And don't miss that God rejected both Cain's offering, but he rejected Cain. He rejected the man. It really seems that Cain was just following this form, that this religiosity, and that there was no love in his heart for God or gratitude to God for his blessings. There was no recognition that he was a sinner that needed saving. And again, I believe this. Read the book of Jude, but in verse 11, woe to them. Just speaking about these people that were trying to, in a sense, worship God however they wanted, false worship. Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's heir and perished in Korah's rebellion. Again, just, I just put up there to say, like, this isn't just me making something up right now. The way of Cain was evil. It was wrong. It was false worship. All acceptable worship must start with the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no other way to offer that worship. So again, just to wrap up, what does that look like for you and I? What does starting with the blood of Jesus look like? Because I want to know practically, because again, even for us right here, right now, part of worship is singing, is praising Him. It's a huge part. It's all over the Bible. There's a whole book of the Bible that we've been reading Sunday mornings, a psalm to help us see who God is, to help us see who we are, so we can enter in to acceptable worship. So a big part of our worship is praise, is worship, is singing. And we're about to do that. So I'm asking the question, what does that look like to enter in, you know, the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus? Because again, we're not bringing some goats up. We're not going to bring some sheep up and spill some blood all over the stage. I've already said that. That's actually saying that Christ's blood is not enough. But it's coming with a humble heart. Recognizing that we are sinners in need of a Savior. Even as believers who are the righteousness of Jesus Christ, we are still being sanctified. We are still being saved. We are still being made more like Jesus. We still need to be sprinkled clean by the blood of Jesus. So we need to come with a humble heart, a repentant heart, ready to repent and say, okay, I have sinned against you, God. I, I recognize that I need a Savior. I need the blood of Jesus. 
must come with a broken and contrite heart, a heart of repentance. We recognize that we're coming before a holy God. And we come trembling, and yet we can come confidently. We'll keep going with this next week. But I wanted to put that up there as well, that it also requires our best. It is shown by our behavior or our obedience. And it does result in our blessing. If the worship team, we'll call them the worship team, hopefully they, they are, I know they are. If they would come up, and I want, I want to read Psalm 51. And one, I want you to see how gospel-centered this psalm is. But I'm about to read the Word of God. The Word of God is living and it's active. And I just ask that you would just even right now surrender to God and allow him to speak to you. We're talking about repentance in this chapter, but it's also talking about praising God, worshiping God. But to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Because if we're going to say, create in me a clean heart, O God, there is some recognition there that there's things that need to be cleaned in my heart, God. Will you show me them? Or maybe you already know very clearly what they are. Repent. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then we are going to sing, create in me a clean heart. And I just, again, I'm asking you, I'm inviting you to pray that. Talk to God there. But part of acceptable worship is also obedience. It's also behavior. So if God reveals something to you, repent. Maybe you even need to grab someone and say, pray with me. Let's stand. I'm going to read Psalm 51. And we're going to praise. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. 
Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Amen. Praise forever to the King of Kings. And I read something this week that said, if praising God, if worshiping bores you, then you don't want to go to heaven. I got a sense that we want to go. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your goodness, for your love. Father, I ask that you would glorify your name in and through each one of us. Bless each one here today. Pray that you give them rest today, that they could rest in your presence. They could rest in your love. We can rest in the blood of Jesus. Bless them in the name of Jesus. Amen.